Welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Logan. Today is day number 49. It's the end of our seventh week together. And today, as I record this, it is Ash Wednesday. I can't think of a better passage to look at on Ash Wednesday than the one that we're looking at today. It's Leviticus chapter 16 to 18. We're going to be looking at the Day of Atonement. But before we open up our Bibles, let's pray and ask that God would open up our eyes to be able to see truth in His Word. Holy God, we cry out to you today, recognizing our need for atonement. We are so far from you, and we often, even though we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, still feel so far from you. So God, we pray that you would draw us to yourself. Glorify your name in us, that we may see your mercy, see your gracious hand at work in our lives. Restore our hearts, build in us your kingdom, and empower us to build your kingdom here. God, as we open your word today, we seek to be changed by it. We seek not just to know more about you, but to know you. For to know you is eternal life. Forgive us of our sins, heal our hearts, and satisfy us in your grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, well, here we are right in the very center of the book of Leviticus, and we are going to look at today, chapter 16 through 18, the central point being this special day of atonement, Yom Kippur, that is still celebrated by Jews today. So I'm ready. I hope you are. Let's get started. Chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord, and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away 
into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil, and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it, and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, and the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting, and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place, and put on his garments, and come out, and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the altar. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes, and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. It shall be a statute to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves, and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you, to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. 
It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. And you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting, and for the altar. He shall make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Chapter 17 And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and to all the people of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If any one of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp, or kills it outside the camp, and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices that they sacrifice in the open field, and that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. And you shall say to them, any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, No person among you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Any one also of the people of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who takes in hunting any beast or bird that may be eaten, shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For the life of every creature is its blood, its blood is its life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, You shall not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off, and every person who eats what dies of itself, or what is torn by beasts, whether he is a native or a sojourner, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. Then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his flesh, he shall bear his iniquity. Chapter 18 And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules, and keep my statutes, and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, 
he shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether brought up in the family or in another home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter, for their nakedness is your own nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, brought up in your father's family, since she is your sister. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, that is, you shall not approach his wife, she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife, it is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter, and you shall not take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are relatives. It is depravity. And you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanness. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife and so make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And you shall not lie with any animal, and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. Do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all these the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations so that the land became unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. We come now to the Day of Atonement here in chapter 16, and you can see initially that as it's being offered, it is spoken to Moses after the death of Aaron, uh, and it is positioned in a place to say, we're going to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again accidentally, which leads some folks to think that Nadab and Abihu were uh, consumed by God's holiness because they went into the most holy place 
without this kind of purification. Whether that's the case or not, we don't really know. Uh, we only have the information about Nadab and Abihu that we were given back in chapter 10. But it does say here in chapter 16, tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat so that he may not die. And this was just after the death of his two sons. And so that's certainly a possibility that could be there. This is going on to describe Yom Kippur, the one day in all of the Israelite calendar in which the high priest could go behind the veil before the presence of God, not just once, but twice. He's going to, in, in, he's going to enter into God's presence twice during this day. And there's going to be several sacrifices and animals that are involved here, but just recognize the, the structure of what's happening. The priest must first make sacrifice for his own sins. He must atone for himself before he can ever go before God for the people. And the big concept here of the Day of Atonement, or Kippur, is the concept of reconciliation. The people are impure. The people are sinful. And because of that, God is removed from them. They can't come near to God. There is a wall of hostility and separation that is there because of their sin and because of their uncleanness. And this one day a year is the day that that is able to be wiped out. That's able to be removed from them on this one day a year. Now, obviously, Jews today celebrate Yom Kippur much different than what is written here in Leviticus, with no temple, uh, with no Ark of the Covenant, uh, with no ritual sacrifices. Uh, it is certainly very different. However, it is still a very reverent observance. Now, many people would take a look at these two goats that are sacrificed on the Day of Atonement, and they would make connections to Christ that this first goat that is sacrificed, that serves as a purification offering for the people, uh, that they would place Jesus in the position of this lamb, uh, this goat, that would take away the sins, not just of the people, but of the world. And he was the lamb that was slain. However, there's a second element to atonement. It's not just the purification of uncleanness. It's not just the uh, making us right with God in a legal sense. That's not the only part of atonement. That's the reason there's a second goat. And this second goat gets a lot of press. There's all kinds of thoughts about uh, who Azazel is and what this goat's purpose is. I would really encourage you to take a look at the video that I have posted down in the show notes. Uh, there are actually two videos. One is by a biblical scholar named Michael Heiser, who writes about Azazel, uh, and he is going to uh, just give a, a brief overview of who this Azazel is, look at the, the places we see him in Scripture, which really it's only here in Leviticus 16 that we get any mention of Azazel in our Bible. Now, we do have some extra biblical mentions of Azazel uh, that are out there that kind of build on his legacy or its legacy. But I don't really want to focus on that. Go take a look at his. The video is less than 10 minutes long. Pretty simple uh, watch there. 
And there's a second video on sacrifice and atonement by the Bible Project, and it's excellent, a great overview at what we're talking about here when we talk about atonement. Why does blood uh, make atonement? Why is blood something that purifies? We think of getting blood on something as a stain, as something you need to get out of that thing, but blood here is being sprinkled on things to clean them, and that seems counterproductive uh, for our uh, Western sensibilities and the way that we think of them. In the Jewish mind, blood was life, and this life was covering the death and the decay of sin. And so, much different way of viewing things, but you need to put your mind into the uh, Hebrew kind of mindset to get this. Uh, and that video by the Bible Project, again, less than 10 minutes long. Take a look at it. It's an excellent resource to be able to understand quickly what this concept of animal sacrifice has to do with atonement and what atonement really means. Uh, and as I've already said, it's all about reconciliation to God. So really encourage you to check those out. But this second goat who is brought forward, notice as they lay their hands on him, this goat receives all of the sin of the people. So one goat dies and his life covers over the death and the decay and the brokenness of the people's sins. So it makes them right. But then what's to be done with these sins? Well, they place the sins by placing their hands on the head. All the elders place their hands on the head of this animal. And then he was sent out into the wilderness. And remember, the presence of God doesn't dwell in just a random hill somewhere out in the wild. That was the way the pagans worshipped. That was the way the Canaanites worshipped. They found a high hill, they put up a temple there, and that was where they worshipped their gods. It wasn't in the midst of them. But God was different here. Yahweh God is different because he dwells in the midst of his people in this tabernacle. God is with them. And so the outside of the camp, the wilderness away from the camp, the further you get away from God's presence, the further you are getting into the territory of all of these other pagan gods. And he says, you are not to be with them. Uh, we will send all of our sins out to the territory of these other pagan gods. That's where they belong, in the wilderness, in the brokenness, in the bad place, the evil place. Sin belongs there, but God and his holiness and his glory dwell in the camp with the people. And the entire concept of God being with his people is rooted way back here at Mount Sinai, at all of these concepts and ideas that are put forward in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It's all about God having a place to dwell with his people. As we move into chapter 17, we see restrictions on uh, sacrifices, that sacrifices shouldn't just be completed anywhere, uh, that they should be done at the gate of the tabernacle. All the world is God's domain. Everything belongs to him. However, he had purified for himself a place amongst these people, and that was where they were to go and do their worship. And notice the reason why. 
In chapter 17, verse 7, we get a further mention of these kind of demons that live outside of the camp in the wilderness. Uh, I picture Azazel as being one of these goat demons of Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7, one of the evil entities that dwells not in the clean place, not in the holy place where God dwells, but outside of the camp where death and destruction reigns. And so in verse 7 it says, So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to these goat demons. These people are walking through the wilderness. They're traveling through the wilderness to the land of Canaan, and God is keeping them insulated and protected from the wilderness around them. But they are supposed to be different, vastly different than the people that are around them. And that's what we get into in chapter 18. Uh, We see at the very beginning of the chapter, it says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You should not do the things that you did in Egypt, and you shouldn't do things the way they do them in Canaan, because I am the Lord your God. You shall follow my rules. So Yahweh is positioning himself as the king. He is the head of this new people. And the same way that you obey the laws of your king in your country, he says, these are my laws, these are my statutes. While you're here in my house, you obey my rules. If you want to dwell with me, if you love me and want to follow me, then you do the things that I command. And here in chapter 18, we begin what is commonly referred to as the holiness code. This was what the Israelites were supposed to do, not just the rituals they were supposed to perform, not just the things they were supposed to stay away from as far as eating that we saw in earlier chapters, but now this is actually saying these are practices that the people around you, those in Egypt and Canaan and surrounding area, that they do. And you're not supposed to be like them. You're supposed to be holy, different, set apart for God. And so we see all of these different sexual laws that are here. Uncovering the nakedness of someone, by the way, is just another way of referring to having sexual intercourse with. One quick note uh, is about sleeping with your brother's wife. Uh, This is something that is going to get a little bit further attention as we get into Deuteronomy uh, because there is a stipulation called leveret marriage. And leveret marriage, uh, we actually already saw it back with Judah and Tamar when that happened because, remember, Onan uh, spilt his seed instead of doing his duty as the Uh, redeemer for his brother, Uh, and that was the punishment that was brought upon him back in Genesis. And so this concept is going to get further fleshed out in the book of Deuteronomy, but here in Leviticus, it said, as a normal practice, if your brother's alive, uh, you're not going anywhere near his wife. And oh, such a controversial thing that we see today in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22 says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. This is referring to homosexuality. Homosexuality was an abomination placed alongside other abominations, other perversions. Yes, it is sin. Is it a sin any more than any of the other sins that are listed here? No, it's not. 
However, it is sin, and we must call sin, sin. Christians, just like Jews, are called to be different than the world around them. Do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all of these things the nations I'm driving out before you have become unclean. Well, guess what? The nations around us are unclean because of the sins that they welcome into their camp. But we are different. We've been given the Holy Spirit of God. We have been made new creations in Christ Jesus, and we walk forward in holiness and in newness of life. Are we perfect? By no means. We won't be perfect until we see God face to face on that final day. But we don't stand up and pound our chest and claim that our way is better than God's way. Homosexuality is sin. Verse 29, everyone who does any of these abominations, the person who does them shall be cut off from among their people. Cut off from among their people meant that they would have to remain outside the camp. They would be outside of the community, not welcomed in, because if they were, they would be consumed by God's holiness, like we saw Nadab and Abihu. And so they had to go through a process of purification. They had to be made right with God through the Day of Atonement. Their sin had to be covered, and their sin had to be sent away. Uh, both justification and sanctification happened in the cross of Christ and the Christian life. And so we are charged with never having these abominable things happening for us. However, we are still in the process of our goat going away. Christ died on our behalf for our sins, and he covered over our sins. He made us right with God. But the rest of our life is going to be spent putting our sins on Christ and sending him away into the wilderness to bear the shame and the wrath of God on our behalf. We don't come and claim that we are perfect. We come and we claim the grace of God and the mercy of God, and we bow our knees, submitting to the authority of God and recognizing that he is right and seeking to live a life that is honoring to him and glorifying to him because we want to reflect his character. This holiness code here in chapter 18 is all about the character of God. Go back and read it and see how many times it says, I am the Lord your God. He's not just saying that to say, I'm the boss, do what I say. He's saying these things don't equate, they don't compute with me being your God. And so we cast ourselves upon Christ and we recognize all of the areas within our life and our heart that we fight against God and want our way rather than his way. But he is constantly calling us back to himself, saying, I want to dwell in your midst. I want to be the God who is among you. But if you continue in your sin, I can't be with you because I will consume you. He says, I am the Lord your God. And I'm giving you these commands so that you may be able to stay close to me because that is the best place for you. My question to you, if you fight against these things, is what's really your God? 
Is it Yahweh, the God who cares for you and who made sacrifice on your behalf of his only son, or is your sin your God? Because you're clinging to it so tightly that you can't even see that Christ has already died for it. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been encouraging to you. If so, please let me know by visiting the links that you find under the Connect With Us section in the show notes. I'm a simple man, and I could use the encouragement. If you've been blessed enough that you would like to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate that as well. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash dbrpodcast to make either a one-time gift or to sign up for a monthly recurring membership gift. Until tomorrow, keep reading and keep worshiping.